Welcome back to another bonus episode of The Way of Love. I'm Sandy Millian, and I'm here with Kyle Oliver. Thanks, Sandy. Longtime listeners to the show have probably figured out that one of our production challenges is to get as much audio as possible from Bishop Curry. <laughs> he is a busy guy. Sometimes we have to make a plan A and a plan B uh, to get audio for a particular topic. And in the case of our season two episode on rest, both plans came through. That's right. So here is another conversation about the connections between the practice of rest and our own experiences in nature. There is some worship in there too. Bishop Curry spoke with the Reverend Lydia Bucklin of UP Wild Church when he was in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan for a revival event in October. One last programming note before we get started. We will be back in your feeds just a little over a week from now with some special Christmas content. Enjoy the show and see you soon. Lydia, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Well, our topic really is rest. Now, before anybody goes to sleep on us, we're actually talking about Sabbath rest. It's there in the beginning of creation in the book of Genesis, the seventh day of creation. God saw all that God had made, and behold, it was very good. You know, on the seventh day, God rested. And there's all that talk of the Sabbath rest in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, that we might enter God's eternal Sabbath rest. And once again, before our friends go to sleep on us, you've had some incredible experiences of where rest and Sabbath rest has been real, not in terms of the frenetic church. Very often, one of the things I learned as a parish priest was that we sometimes made people actually work instead of resting in the arms of Jesus, so to speak, in church. And you've discovered some ways and some folk you've been with have discovered some ways where Sabbath rest and church and gathered community of worship actually have come together. Yes. Yeah. What's that like? Tell us about it. Oh, it's beautiful. So we call it UP Wild Church, and the UP stands for Upper Peninsula. So it's the of Upper where? Peninsula of Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Okay. Yes. All right. There you go. The top part of Michigan that gets left off of maps very often. Okay. <laughs> so we're called Upers, those of us Upers. who live up here. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And what we found, actually, our Lutheran brothers and sisters invited us into this conversation. They wanted to reconnect with all of the young adults who have moved to this land because of the beauty and because of wanting to have a quieter way of life, wanting to slow down from the soccer mom lifestyle or the frenetic pace and to just be somewhere to spend time with their family outdoors and to go on hikes and canoeing. And so this huge population of folks who have moved here for that reason, who are oh. not in our churches, uh -huh. but are connecting with God and the divine outdoors and are naming it as that. But uh -huh. it's mostly been these solo experiences. And so we started having conversations with folks around what their faith life was like, and they were hungry for community, and they were <laughs> hungry for <laughs> others who shared their passion for being outdoors, their passion for creation care. So they wanted to find a community together uh -huh. that was not frenetic and that didn't have the baggage attached to it that the mm -hmm. institutional mm -hmm. church had for them. And so we found a way to piece together a liturgy that was more comfortable for folks, mm -hmm. that talked about God as creator, God as life giver, God mm -hmm. as the wind that breathes and blows all around us. And for oh, some wow. reason, that opened up things for people. Right. Well, we went back to the early desert fathers and mothers, mm -hmm. to wisdom scriptures, 
Proverbs, mm-hmm. the Psalms, some lamentations around how we've desecrated the earth and how we haven't mm-hmm. done well. So there's a confessional aspect to it. Mm-hmm. But we have just really found that it's connecting with people in a different way of actually being church in that truest essence of church, yeah. being the community of the body of Christ, uh-huh. rather than a building where right. we have to perform a certain way or dress a certain way or, yeah. So if I was able to come with you, what would it be like? You yeah. Know? I mean, would there be kids there? Are these older people, younger people Absolutely. all over the map? Or what, what, what would it be like? Yeah. So we usually meet in parks or along the water or in the forest. It's Uh a different location sometimes. We've been using a local natural park called Presque Isle Park outside a gazebo. And so we stand in a circle. The circle is always important with that ancient wisdom Mm -hmm. of being together as circle and always room for more to join us out in public, which also is awesome because we're a public witness to others, a community in prayer and praying for those who wander by as much as for ourselves who are gathered. So we gather our church planter, Lanny Lanto, will lead us in. Actually, she brings some science to it and talks about geography and talks about nature and talks about the history of the land that we are standing on and the Mm. history of that. And then we open into some prayer and everybody participates. We use the gifts of everyone. When my daughter came most recently, she shared about her pet bunny and how caring for our uh, bunny sure. <laughs> sure. life giving yeah. for her. And then we talked about caring for other animals. And so often there's a theme. We've prayed for the Amazon rainforest recently and for breath and air. I mean, it's endless, the possibilities oh of where we can go with it, which is what's so cool too, because we can follow the vibe of the group. We've really reached out to the vegan community in Marquette, which is neat. And, and so when you say folks, vegan community, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? There's a community of folks who identify as vegan. Uh-huh. So they don't eat or use animal product in Uh any way. And many have been atheists, actually, and are finding connection with a group of folks who actually walk the walk and talk the talk and care for animals and creation and are willing to commit to behaving differently. So we stretch one another in our beliefs and in coming together. But I found that I've personally made different decisions in my life because so at the end of every time we gather, we have this kind of confession and commitment to Mm -hmm. behave a different way. And when I say that together with a group of folks outside in community to the earth, to God, to one another, when we covenant in that way, I do choose differently when I'm going to the grocery store. I do choose differently with what I consume or don't consume because it's such a simple thing, but it does make a difference. And to do it in regular vernacular and language where it's not kind of our fancy church words, Uh it breaks it open in a new way for folks. So it's just been really awesome, very simple very simple, very inexpensive. How, how did you meet the vegan community? Do you remember? Well, Lanny is vegan. So uh-huh. she they would meet and have potlucks and things. And then she just started inviting oh. people. Yeah. You didn't have to have a committee to study. How can we make links with the vegan community? <laughs> no. Oh, somebody knew we somebody. Did not. <laughs> kind of like in the Bible, you know, right. Andrew knew Peter or something, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. It's totally 100% one-on-one invitation and welcoming for folks to come join us. You said something about one-on-one when we were talking earlier. Yes. 
this one-on-one conversation. Mm-hmm. When you had those one-on-one conversations where you actually say, oh, I'm going to build a church and this is how I'll do it. No, no. <laughs> what were you, you were just talking? Just talking, just asking, what is life like? What's hard right now? What's good right now? What huh. does our community need? How can we support each other in community? And folks saying, oh, this is, we need more affordable housing and we need to do some more work with reconciliation with indigenous folks here. And we need to connect around racial justice and then saying, how do we do that together? How do we get together and do it? And what would be some common language for us? And maybe we should have a meal while we do it. Maybe we want to have some ritual around that. Uh What would that look like? And what Uh language are you comfortable with? And so we decide it together. We choose that. It's all communal. It's all collaborative. Uh What has developed is this sweet little seedling that's kind of growing in infinite ways. And then other little places popping up of people saying, oh, we'd like to do something like that as well. How do we get started? And it's the one-on-one conversation. It's one-on-one. So how did the word spread? It's a small town. Things spread very quickly in the Upper Peninsula. Okay. Okay. (laughs) As a grain of wheat falls. Yeah, they spread pretty quickly. So we both grew up. We went to high school in town and pretty... Uh Lanny, my friend, we graduated together and she would be at the gym and someone say, I hear what you and Lydia are up to. I like it. That's really how it goes? (laughs) Yes. And there would be people that we didn't know if they were going to church, if they ever went to church and they'd say, I think I might be interested in coming sometime. And so remembering to invite people and say, bring your kids, bring them out. It's something for all ages and let's just get together and pray for this earth and pray for one another and commit to treating our earth with integrity. Now, this is probably a terrible question to ask in the midst of a a lively discussion, but how is it possible for the institutional church, Hmm. such as we are, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to actually be in relationship with something like this in such a way that it doesn't stifle it. Yes. Actually, we have been working with institutional church with Uh grant applications, both on the ELCA side and Uh the Episcopal church side. And so there are, you know, measurements and there needs to be vision and there needs to be accountability and there's room for all of it. Mm -hmm. They're really, I think, being able to articulate theologically why we're gathering, how it is the same thing that we're doing inside the building. We are reading scripture together. We are breaking bread together, making confession together and committing to new ways together. And we're a community going out. And so the church, that's all that the church is. It's really like taking it back to the simplest, basic element of what church can and should Mm -hmm. be. And what's great is it doesn't take a lot of planning and money in terms of a pop-up expression Mm -hmm. like this. It really is a group of people of God feeling confident that they have the authority to be Mm -hmm. the baptized members of God out in community and to call it real, (laughs) to call it church. I think that actually is what the church could do most is to just recognize it as an actual valid expression of church. You know, we get so caught up in parish status and mission status Mm -hmm. and the titles and all of the things that are so beautiful in our institution and how we Mm -hmm. honor and structure ourselves. And we have to make room for these little bitty baby things to pop up all over and be a both and. Even if that's all that someone who comes to Wild Church and experiences Wild Church and that's their only expression of church, that's okay. That's good. They've still experienced Christ with us. And even if we haven't called him Christ, Uh it's still Uh Christ. We're talking about death and resurrection and new life. That's still Christ. So yeah, yeah, just sharing that 
and not with the intention that they would then become a rostered member of a congregation mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's Emmaus Road. Right. He's walking with you whether you name him or recognize him or not. Right. He's there. I, I got to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Wild Church. Yes. Where is that? It can't be from the song Wild Thing. You make my heart sing. <laughs> it's that, where does that come from? There's a Wild Church network. I mean, I we say, talk about doing church out in the wild, and uh-huh. that's it just kind of stuck. So there's this whole network of folks who are doing church outside the walls of the buildings, out in nature, through lots of different denominations. It's just kind of this ad hoc group of folks who share liturgies and resources and ways of gathering. And so we've plugged in with them. They have a great website with tons of resources resources and liturgies that we can all borrow from and learn from and contribute to. But something's moving. Something's moving around the church because as we've kind of spread word of it, I've gotten calls as far as Baltimore and Hawaii and friends from all over saying, hmm, tell me a little bit more about what you're doing and how we could do that Mm -hmm. here. And just getting people going to to have some courage around it and playfulness. I mean, I think that's part of the rest piece too, right? It's just being playful, just doing it. That's where our Puritan ancestors may have missed the boat, boat a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Sometimes it's okay just to laugh. Right. And rest in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, Wild Church sure sounds like the Holy Spirit active to me. Yeah. And your name is Lydia. It sure is. And there's a good Bible, Lydia. Yes, there is. And people heard about her in a town called Philippi. Mm-hmm. And a whole lot of folk found their way into the heart of God again. Mm-hmm. It's all about hospitality. May that continue to be so. Thank you. Thanks, my sister. And thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm.